Hello and welcome to the Stocks and Savings Podcast. As always, you're joined by Andrea and Jamie, the two millennial investors behind the Instagram blog at Stocks and Savings. The Stocks and Savings Podcast is here to give you the tools you need to feel more confident about finance and investing so that you can build wealth while enjoying life. Before we get into the episode, we want to give a disclaimer that while we are chartered accountants, we are not financial advisors. Nothing in this podcast should be treated as financial advice. This is for educational purposes only. When investing, your capital is at risk and the value of your investments may rise and fall. Always do your own research and apply your own judgment when making a financial decision or contact a financial advisor. Now, every season so far, we have dedicated one episode to analyzing a company from top to bottom, and they seem to be quite popular. So why don't we take a crack at another company? It's certainly worth reiterating here that this is not financial advice. We won't tell you to buy or sell this stock, and you should always do your own research before making an investment decision. You know, we are only doing this for educational purposes. A disclaimer so good they made it twice. <laughs> right? Well, you can never be too cautious with these things, I think. And also, just before we start, if you do find our podcast helpful and wanted to support us, we would really appreciate it if you gave it a five-star rating on Spotify and a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. At at the minute, we are a smaller podcast and having these reviews, if you find it helpful, would really help us gain credibility and reach a wider audience. So hopefully we can help more people learn more about finance and investing. So after much deliberation, the company that we will take through our investing framework in season three is, drum rolls, Airbnb. Ooh, some people are happy, some people are sad. (laughs) Will it be controversial? Who knows? And just as a disclaimer, we are actually investors in Airbnb. Yeah, so it was kind of cheating. Airbnb is a company that we have already analyzed quite a bit as an investment, So I think it made a lot of sense for us to do it because we've put in all the legwork over the last year or so. Now, there are multiple sections to analyzing a business, some shorter than others, and we'll be looking at them all in the following order. We'll start with business model, followed by economic modes, then opportunity and outlook, followed by industry and competitive analysis. Then we'll look at risk factors, management, financials, valuation, and last but not least, investment thesis. With that said, let's get into the analysis. We'll start off by looking at Airbnb's business model, where we'll introduce what it is that Airbnb does and how it makes money. I think Airbnb is one of the most well-known global brands out there. But just to recap, Airbnb operates a global platform that allows hosts to list their property for short-term accommodation and for guests to go onto the platform and find a property to stay at. Airbnb is most often used by people going on holiday as a way of booking a place to stay. In fact, we recently just got back from a short getaway in the Cotswold where we booked an Airbnb. And we are also going on holiday again this month to Italy across three different cities and we have booked accommodation on Airbnb each time. Which, fun fact, as we said we've been shareholders of Airbnb for, I don't know, probably around a year now. But this is the first time that we actually used it. I think the Cotswolds trip that we took last month. Yeah, I think so. Funnily enough, we used its biggest competitor, Booking.com, up until um, this trip. Yeah. So I think the fact that we used it and we had a good experience, it's a nice little tick in the box as shareholders. So whilst the platform offering accommodation has been Airbnb's main business line since its inception, The company has also expanded recently into experiences, such as tours and excursions that can be booked on the platform. Once again, we use this part of Airbnb for our upcoming holiday, 
where we booked a food tour of Rome. I guess we'll let you know what we think of it when we get back. And if we get food poisoning... (laughs) We'll blame the Airbnb. We'll sell our shares. (laughs) So Airbnb has a simple business model. It operates a platform that connects people who are looking for some place to stay with people who are offering their properties as accommodation. And they recently started to include experiences alongside this, which ties in pretty nicely with their historical focus on holidays. Okay, but how does the company make money? Well, their business model is similar to a lot of other platform-based marketplaces. Airbnb makes the majority of its money by collecting fees from both hosts, the people who list their accommodation on Airbnb, and guests, the people who book accommodation on Airbnb. Similarly, Airbnb charges fees when it comes to experiences. However, Airbnb only charges these fees to the people hosting the experiences. Okay, so we had to pay some fees for the apartment in Rome, but as guests, we didn't have to pay any fees for the food tour that we booked. Airbnb will only make money from the person that is hosting the food tour. Why do, you, why do you think that is? Is it because they've just introduced experiences and want to make it more popular with people? I think or? so. They're not, they're not too new experiences. I'm sure they'll end up charging people who book experiences in the end. But yeah, I think they're just trying to make them more attractively priced at the minute because it is a newer and growing segment of the business. Fair enough. The nature of Airbnb's business has enabled the company to operate an asset-like business model, which means that they don't need to invest in many physical assets in order to operate. Compare that to a company like Tesco, which is a very asset-heavy business model as it has to operate loads of warehouses and physical supermarkets. Also, I'm not sure when I put this together why I decided to use Tesco as an example of an asset-heavy business model when I could have used something like Hilton or some people that operate like actual (laughs) hotel chains in the same industry or, I don't know, like Boeing, who operate loads of planes. They're both very asset-heavy business models, but apparently I just had Tesco on the brain. (laughs) I think we had probably just been to Tesco or something. Probably. We do that. (laughs) One of the benefits of having an asset-like business model is that it can lead to higher levels of profitability, since there are significantly fewer costs associated with it. That has been the case for Airbnb in the last year, as the company focused on efficiency throughout the pandemic and is now reaping the rewards. In 2022, Airbnb made a profit of $1.893 billion, which gave it a profit margin of 22.5%. This meant that for every $100 of revenue, Airbnb was able to make $22.50 in profit, and that is an extremely strong profit margin. So now that we have a rough idea about what Airbnb does, let's move on to arguably the most important part of any company analysis, economic moats. Let's start by defining what an economic moat is. An economic moat refers to a sustainable competitive advantage that allows a company to maintain its market share and profitability over an extended period of time. Think about a castle surrounded by a moat full of water, which can be used to protect the castle from anyone who would try and attack it. An economic moat is the same thing in business. We're looking for sustainable competitive advantages that a company has which can help it to fend off the competition whilst maintaining its profitability. There are loads of potential economic moats out there, but there are a couple that we think Airbnb has that are critical to its success. And these are network effects and brand. We'll start with the network effect, and this is the most important because I believe it is Airbnb's strongest economic moat by far. Also, just to note, there are some companies that may have several fairly good economic moats and others that may have one or two incredible economic moats. 
both can lead to a successful investment. And I think Airbnb has one incredibly strong economic moat here with its network effect. But once again, let's start by defining what a network effect is. Network effects exist when the value of a product or service increases as more users or participants join the network, creating a barrier to entry for new competitors versus established networks with a large user base. Network effects can also be used as an avenue for growth, since anyone who is not part of this network may be inclined to join the largest network available, since the bigger the network, generally the more value there is. But how does this work for Airbnb? Well, Airbnb is basically a giant network of two types of people. It's guests who are looking to find accommodation and it's hosts who are looking to rent out accommodation. Airbnb also basically founded this industry and as a result has one of the largest networks around. It's so crazy though, isn't it? Like imagine, I don't know, 10 years ago telling people that you're just going to go and stay in a random person's house like on your holiday. Yeah, it's bizarre. It's one of those things that now it makes so much sense. But 15 years ago, people would probably look at you like you were crazy. Mm. I think there were some websites before, like couch surfing websites and stuff well, like that. Well, we, but... we watched The Holiday, right? Oh, yeah. They don't use Airbnb, but they do some kind of house swap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, they it's been attempted in the past, but I guess no one's done it as well as Airbnb has. Yeah, like on this scale. But back to the network effect and why I think it's such a strong economic moat for Airbnb. Imagine that you were looking to rent out your apartment as a holiday rental. In order to make as much money as possible, you'd probably want to go to the platform where there are the most people looking for somewhere to rent out. And Airbnb is certainly one of those. Imagine also perhaps that you are looking to go on holiday somewhere. Again, you'd want to use a platform that has the widest range of accommodations and this could draw you into using Airbnb. This creates a virtuous cycle. More guests on the platform mean more people listing their accommodations in order to reach a wider audience. And more people listing their accommodation means more choice for guests, which leads to more guests using Airbnb, which leads to more hosts. And the cycle repeats and repeats and repeats to help Airbnb grow. And that's basically what's happened for the last decade plus. It also makes it incredibly difficult for any newcomer to arrive and disrupt Airbnb because Airbnb already has this huge network of guests and hosts that any new competitor simply would not have. So not only does the network effect help Airbnb to attract new guests and hosts, but it also protects it against disruption from any newcomers. The second economic moat that I believe Airbnb has is its brand. We already spoke about the fact that Airbnb basically created this industry that enabled anyone to rent out their property for short-term stays. And in fact, the name Airbnb is synonymous with this industry, just like Google and Search or Zoom and video conferencing. When a company has a strong brand, it can be beneficial in a number of ways. Firstly, it can make Airbnb top of mind for anyone looking to book a holiday via a short-term rental. Secondly, it can result in some pricing power, meaning that Airbnb might be able to raise its prices without negatively impacting demand. This is something that has played out for Airbnb over the past few years. In Q4 of 2019, the average value of a night or experience booked on Airbnb's platform was $112.63. But just three years later, in Q4 of 2022, this had risen an astounding 36% to $152.81. 
Remember that Airbnb makes its money by taking fees for these transactions. So if people are paying more to book holidays, there will be a boost for Airbnb's revenue. The most impressive part about Airbnb's brand power is that it managed to achieve it very naturally. And as a result, it doesn't spend that much on sales and marketing, aka advertising. Airbnb's largest competitor is Booking Holdings, the parent company of Booking.com, and it's very interesting to compare their marketing spend in 2022. For every dollar Airbnb spent on marketing, it generated $5.54 in revenue. Compare that to Booking.com, which generated just $2.85 in revenue for every dollar that is spent on marketing. This brand strength has helped Airbnb to market far more effectively, which results in fewer expenses and more profits for shareholders. So, just to recap, the network effect and brand power are two of the main economic moats that we can see for Airbnb. Moving on, we'll take a look at opportunity and outlook. Now, this doesn't have to be too specific, but if you're buying a company on the hopes it will deliver strong growth in the future, you better double check that the opportunity is actually there. For Airbnb, it certainly looks like it is. When the company went public, its management team estimated that the company's total addressable market, which is the total size of all sales in the industry that Airbnb operates in, was an eye-popping $3.4 trillion, including $1.8 trillion for short-term stays, $210 billion for long-term stays, and $1.4 trillion for experiences. Now, I don't necessarily care how precisely accurate these numbers are, but Airbnb's revenue of $8.4 billion in 2022 represents about 0.25% of this $3.4 trillion total addressable market, meaning that there is still a good opportunity ahead for growth if Airbnb is able to expand in different areas within these industries or continue to gain market share with its current offerings. I also like to think about any societal changes that could be a tailwind. And personally, I think the fact that people have been more able to work from anywhere should be great for Airbnb. We have unusual jobs, but our work basically means that we can work from anywhere, which enabled us to go away for a few days and stay in an Airbnb whilst working. Hashtag digital nomads. (laughs) Not really, no. (laughs) I wish. We We, have a mortgage, though. We put the no in nomad. (laughs) I think the ability for millions of people to work remotely that we've seen jump in the last few years has opened up a huge opportunity for Airbnb, as I wouldn't necessarily go away for a few weeks and do work in a hotel, but I may well do so in an apartment or holiday home that I was able to rent out. I just think that Airbnb has a habit of getting things right. They have turned their focus to much more experiential stays and recently introduced categories such as castles, beach holidays, or OMG, which enable potential guests to look at a whole host of unique properties that cater to the holiday experience they want. In particular, the OMG category has like the craziest houses ever. I remember there was one shaped like a guitar or one that was an actual yellow submarine, (laughs) which is so cool. But yeah, not only has this created a new way of searching for places to stay, but it also opens up different parts of the world for tourism. I might not necessarily go searching for a holiday in Redbirth, but a quick look on Airbnb's OMG category shows that I can stay in a UFO-style accommodation in Redbirth, which may well change my mind. Airbnb has also seen impressive growth in its long-term stays of 28 days or more, which once again shows that the company is still experiencing healthy growth in different areas of the business. 
I think this goes hand in hand with the ability for more people to work remotely and is proving to be a nice tailwind for growth. Next up, it's important to consider the industry that Airbnb operates in and any competitors that it has. Clearly, the holiday industry is huge globally, with hotel chains, resort operators and cruise lines all playing a part and all loosely being competitors of Airbnb. But in my eyes, the main competitors of Airbnb are companies that operate their own platforms, which include apartments and holiday home-like rentals, such as Booking.com and Expedia's Verbo. Oh, I like to call it Verbo. Verbo. <laughs> Verbo. 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 <laughs> For anyone unfamiliar, which is pretty much everyone, because no one knows what Verbo is, it's spelled V-R-B-O, because someone at Expedia's marketing team thought that sounded hip. I mean, there is this trend of every company dropping, like, vowels, especially the E or things like that. You know the song Thanks for the Memories by Fall Out Boy? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what inspired it all. But that's that was in, like, early 2000s. People are just catching wow. on. Fall Out Boy were always ahead of their time. Yeah, they were visionaries. So Expedia's Verbo is something to consider, but I think Booking.com's parent company, which is Booking Holdings, is probably Airbnb's largest competitor. Now, at the time of recording, Airbnb has a market capitalization of $77 billion, and Booking Holdings has a market cap of $100 billion, so it is the larger company of the two. Booking Holdings has also been around for a lot longer and offers a mixture of hotels, resorts and apartments on its website, which some holidaymakers may prefer to the offerings of Airbnb. I was going to say, Booking Holdings isn't that much larger than Airbnb, though, in terms of market cap. It's only about what, a third or less than a third? Yeah, less than a third, no cap. <laughs> it's the Gen Z in him. But given that it's been around for a lot longer, I don't know. It's interesting to see. I think this leads us quite nicely onto the next section of our analysis, which is risk factors. And one risk factor that most companies have to take into account is competition. Airbnb does have protection thanks to its network effect, but Booking.com is actually larger than Airbnb, which could potentially result in a stronger network effect. As of 2022, Booking.com had over 28 million accommodations listed compared to over 7 million for Airbnb. The core difference here, in terms of network effect, is that any hosts who want to rent out their accommodations on Airbnb won't have to be competing for customers' attention with the hotels and resorts that Booking.com offers. Another risk that has been spoken about quite a bit for Airbnb is the risk of regulation, as there have been a number of areas that aren't big fans of all the Airbnbs popping up. However, in my view, this risk was probably larger and noisier five years ago. Nowadays, I don't hear as many news reports about people kicking up a fuss when it comes to Airbnb, and I think this is because the world has accepted Airbnb's business model. Sure, it won't be perfect, and there may always be rumblings about regulations disrupting Airbnb, but management have successfully guided the company through any potential regulatory challenges thus far, and I would expect them to continue to do so in the future. I do think, though, that locals of like touristy places, you know, the people that actually live there are not too happy about all these Airbnbs popping up because they drive up house prices as well and the cost of living, which isn't great. Finally, tourism is a pretty cyclical business, meaning that companies within this industry tend to succeed during economic booms, but may get hurt during recessions as consumers are forced to be tighter with their spending. It's no surprise to anyone that we appear to be heading into a period of economic weakness and, you know, maybe a recession, which could certainly cause some short-term pain for Airbnb. 
However, this potential pain has not shown up in the company's results yet, although we may learn more when it reports its Q1 2023 results on Tuesday 9th of May. Bottom line is, there are always risks for any investment, and I'm sure there are plenty of other smaller risks to Airbnb, but these are some of the most obvious ones that we thought of. Moving on to the next section, and it's always important to get an understanding about how good management is of a company you're looking to invest in and the culture of a business. First and foremost, we often like to see founders still involved in any fast-growing innovative business such as Airbnb, and I'm glad to say that we see that here. In fact, Airbnb is a real treat because the three co-founders are all still involved in the company in one way or another. Co-founder Brian Chesky is the CEO and chairman of the board, with another co-founder Nathan Blakarczyk currently in the role of chief strategy officer. The final co-founder is Joe Gebbia, who recently stepped back from his day-to-day role within Airbnb, but remains on the board of directors and heads up Airbnb's non-profit arm, Airbnb.org. Seeing all these co-founders still involved is a big tick for us, as they are more likely to have some soul in the game. But speaking of things in the game, let's look at another item on our investing checklist, and that is skin in the game. We like to see it when leadership in a company actually own a substantial amount of shares in the business because it means their own wealth will be driven by share price performance, giving management a shared incentive with a company's shareholders. So do the leaders at Airbnb have some skin in the game? They certainly do. And they have it in abundance. CEO Brian Chesky owns 12.1% of all shares, CSO Nathan owns 10.3%, and Joe owns 8.4%, meaning that these founders own just under 31% of all shares in Airbnb between them, which is huge. Given that Airbnb has a market capitalization of around $70 billion, it means that the co-founders currently have over $21 billion of their personal wealth in Airbnb shares. I mean, this is skin in the game and then some, which should give investors a lot of comfort, as they know management's incentives are very much aligned with the incentives of shareholders. And that is to see the share price grow. Another thing I like to do is to get an idea about the culture of a company. And whilst this can be quite tough to actually do successfully, the main tool I use is Glassdoor.com, a website where employees past and present can rate and review certain aspects of a company. A quick look on Glassdoor shows some very strong results for Airbnb, with an overall rating of 4.3 out of 5 from the 2,300 reviews left on the site. I generally look for anything over 4 stars as a positive, and Airbnb achieves this in a lot of the categories. Also, 87% of the reviews said they approve of Brian Chesky as CEO, with 75% seeing a positive business outlook for Airbnb. And actually, this 75% is a pretty good score, as people tend to be surprisingly negative when it comes to assessing their business outlooks on Glassdoor. Finally, in my view, the most impressive number when it comes to Airbnb's Glassdoor ratings is that 83% of employees would recommend Airbnb to a friend as a place to work. Now, I don't want to be too negative, but I'm not sure how many workplaces could boast that over four in five people would recommend that place of work to a friend. All in all, we couldn't be happier with the management at Airbnb, and apparently the culture seems pretty damn good as well. So yeah, very, very happy from this point of view. Okay, so management looks good. The next aspect to look at is the part that accountants like us just live for, the financials. (laughs) However, we won't go on a deep dive into the financials because us shouting a load of numbers at you probably isn't how you want to spend your time. 
Instead, we're going to focus on some of what we feel are the most important figures. Starting with revenues, since Airbnb remains a growth story. Now, this is a tough one because growth has been so lumpy due to the pandemic and lockdowns in 2020 and 2021. For context, in 2020, Airbnb's revenue fell 30% compared to 2019, then in 2021 it rose 77%, and in 2022 it rose by 40%. But all these comparisons are heavily skewed, as you can imagine. So what if we just compare Airbnb's results in 2022 to 2019 and ignore the impact of the pandemic? Airbnb has grown its revenue from $4.8 billion in 2019 to $8.4 billion in 2022. And this represents an impressive compound annual growth rate, which is basically the average annual growth rate of 20%. For a company to have achieved this growth over a crazy few years is exceptional. And to put this into perspective, Booking grew their revenues at an average of 4% a year over the same period, from $15 billion to $17 billion. Not only has Airbnb been able to grow revenues impressively, but they've done so whilst maintaining strong margins. Airbnb's operating margin, which calculates the percentage of revenue that Airbnb converts into operating profit, improved substantially. It had an operating profit margin of minus 10.1% in 2019 and now boasts an operating margin of 22.5% in 2022. And again, just for context, operating profit is the profit that a company generates before any cost related to finance or taxes. Basically, it's the profit that a company makes from doing whatever it is that the business does. To put this into perspective, for every $100 of revenue that Airbnb made in 2019, it lost $10. But now, for every $100 of revenue it makes, it manages to translate $22.50 into operating profit, which, I mean, <laughs> that is quite an incredible improvement in just a few years. So when we look at the income statement, there is strength pretty much across the board from this business. Another tick. Another thing we always like to look at is how much cash a company is holding compared to its debt. Having more cash enables a company to weather any difficult periods, whereas holding more debt puts a company under much more pressure when times get tough. It's pretty much like you would think about your own finances. Like, if you have a lot more cash than your debt, then you'll probably be in a good position when a recession comes, for example, or if you lose your job or something like that. But if you have a lot of debt, then if something happens and your income drops, then you'll be less likely to be able to service that debt. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, from a growth opportunity, if you have more cash, then you might be able to take advantage of new opportunities that may be a bit risky, but could potentially have high rewards. Whereas if you have quite a bit of debt, you'd probably be more focused on trying to control that debt. So you're less likely to be able to take risks. And it's kind of the same with Airbnb. Because it has so much cash, it has flexibility in terms of what it does next. You know, It can try things that can spur growth and create future value for shareholders because it has the cash to do that. And it's not panicking about debt. Whereas if it had more debt than cash, it may well be using a lot of its money to reduce that debt. And it may be focusing more on controlling its finances rather than creating more value for shareholders. Exactly. At the end of 2022, Airbnb had around $9.6 billion in cash and cash equivalents and just under $2 billion in debt, which gives it an extremely healthy net cash position of $7.6 billion. 
And that's just subtracting the amount of debt from the amount of cash that it holds. Again, compare this to Booking Holdings, which currently has around $12.4 billion in cash, but $12 billion in debt, giving Booking a much smaller net cash position of $400 million. Now, these are different companies with different capital requirements, but for me, this is another tick in the box for Airbnb, especially if there is a looming recession that could cause some short-term pain for both businesses. The last thing we'll touch on is free cash flow. And this is the cash that a business generates from its core operations after subtracting the costs of its core operations. So basically, it's the cash that a business generates from doing whatever it is the business does, minus the cost of any investments that the business makes in capital expenditure. Capital expenditure, or CapEx, is the cash spend that a company makes on acquiring, improving or maintaining long-term assets such as warehouses, factories or intangible assets like computer software. Free cash flow is a useful metric because if a company generates $1 billion a year in cash from operating the business, but then it has to spend $2 billion each year on maintaining its assets, then the company might not be a great investment. But Airbnb is an asset-like company, meaning it has very few items for capital expenditure. As a result, the company managed to bring in $3.4 billion in free cash flow in 2022. This gave Airbnb a 40% free cash flow margin, meaning that for every $1 of revenue that Airbnb made, it converted $0.40 into free cash flow. And this is an extremely strong free cash flow margin. Again, let's compare to our favorite competitor, Booking Holdings. Now, Booking is an older, more established company, so you might expect it to have lower growth than Airbnb, but achieve higher margins due to its size. Well, that didn't happen in 2022, as Booking delivered impressive free cash flow margins of 36%, but these were once again below the free cash flow margins that Airbnb managed to achieve. All in all, there's plenty to like here in Airbnb's financials. If you think the travel industry is going through a boom right now and that this level of performance isn't sustainable, then you may well be right, especially if we do enter a recession. And this could certainly be a risk to bear in mind to anyone thinking about investing in Airbnb. But for now, the financials are all looking very, very impressive. Right, now that we walked through the financials a little bit, let's move on to the last part of our analysis, and that is valuation. Now, valuation is more of an art rather than a science, but it is important to try and ensure that you aren't paying too much for a company. Sadly, we can't really dive into valuations on a podcast because it's even more numbers than the financials. So this one is a bit more of a trust us scenario. We've put Airbnb through our valuation model and we believe that shares are able to achieve a compound annual growth rate through to 2027 of 16% a year in our base case scenario, with shares growing from $119 today to $246 by 2027. Another handy tool is a website called Simply Wall Street, which does its own discounted cash flow model for companies. And according to this website, Airbnb shares have a fair value of $148, which is around 24% higher than their valuation at the time of recording. So without going into too much detail, our takeaway from this is that Airbnb shares appear to be reasonably valued. And so we personally wouldn't have an issue paying the current price if we liked the business. So now that we've looked at everything to do with Airbnb, there's only one more job left. Create an investment thesis. 
An investment thesis outlines the rationale behind an investor's decision to invest in a particular company, and it can be as long or short as you see fit. So our investment thesis for Airbnb would go something like this. Airbnb is a growing, founder-led leader in the travel industry with a strong brand and powerful network effect that should help the company to continue its growth and profitability trajectory for the foreseeable future. The company also has future opportunities to expand into the rental market, long-term stays, and to grow the experiences side of the business. The company boasts an asset-like business model with impressive margins and has a management team with plenty of skin in the game that have successfully guided Airbnb through regulatory difficulties and through an incredibly difficult 2020 and 2021. The core risks for this business include competitive pressures, regulatory issues, and the potential shorter-term risk of a recession. Out of these risks, the most concerning in the long term is probably regulatory issues, but the company's management has handled these issues well so far. Looking to the future, I would be hoping to see continued double-digit revenue growth with perhaps a slowdown if a recession does hit. I would also like to see growth from new areas of the business such as long-term stays, as well as the recently announced agreement Airbnb had with some large rental apartment landlords in the US which could offer a brand new growth opportunity. I'd also be looking to see consistent growth in the number of nights and experiences booked on the platform as well as consistent growth in the number of listings as these are key to bringing in more guests to Airbnb. And that's pretty much it. We both really like Airbnb as a potential investment. It's in both of our top 10 holdings, but we should reiterate that this is not financial advice. What works for us may not work for you. We could be completely wrong and you should not make financial decisions based on what you've heard in this episode. However, I do hope you found this episode interesting and learned a thing or two about what you might look for when analyzing a company. We really hope you found this helpful. If you did, it would be amazing if you could give us a 5-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And share it on your Instagram story to help others too. Make sure to tag us as Stocks and Savings so we can see it. Thanks again for listening and see you next time.